If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. There is a huge difference between saving and investing. Think about chickens and eggs. I always say if you you took a, a, a chicken and it started to lay 10 eggs a week and you had the concept of saving, well, then you could take that one egg out of that every week and you could put that one egg in a basket because you only use nine. Yet, if you do that long enough, what will happen is the uh, basket will soon run over. Well, that's one thing you're saving. If you took a dollar and stuck it in a drawer, come back 10 years later, if nobody sees it, that dollar is still there. That's saving. But when you do that, that dollar, those eggs sitting in that basket, they will not reproduce themselves, which is what investing allows us to do. If you Mm -hmm. took one of those eggs out of each full basket, put it in the incubator, well, that will eventually turn into another small chicken, which will grow up and eventually start laying eggs itself. You know, Mm -hmm. it takes time for that to happen, but your money does the same thing if placed in the right places, 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 in the right places. Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all-black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. That's where Art will come in and say, welcome back, welcome back. He's not here, and he is going to miss an amazing show. Actually, this is something that when he hears back later, he'll really wish he was here because he and I spent a lot of time talking about this topic, talking about investing, investment, how do we better our financial position? How do we keep on growing and going, as we say on this show all the time? And if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, you are familiar with part of the crew that's here today. You know me, Art's not here, but we've got Insa back with us again, and you all okay. know who she is. So, Insa, remind them who you are real quick. Oh, goodness. Who am I? So, I'm Insa Huger. I am an accountant and financial consultant in the Atlanta area. I've done a lot of real estate. I've done a lot of um, just really helping e-commerce brands scale and being a strategic partner in operations, HR, finance, accounting, and really any way I can with the specific focus on helping my community. So there, there you go. I don't yeah. know what I said before. It don't matter because they, they they get all of you every episode. Right. Every piece is different, right? <laughs> right. So you're going to get a different facet of me every day. So. And, and much like every episode in this series, Insa has supported us via co-hosting, she did all of the guesting for us. So everyone that you're hearing in this series is connected to Wild Black through Insta. So we owe her nothing but a huge thank you. But with that, with that, I want to allow her to introduce today's amazing guest who's going to drive home the theories and understanding about what investing really is. So Insta, handle that, please, ma'am. I I got you. Light work, light work. (laughs) So I just want to introduce you all to someone that I truly consider a friend um, and family member, because to me, if you get introduced to me by family, you're family, right? That's the rule. Amen. Unless you mess it up, unless you mess it (laughs) up. But um, I want to introduce you to Ronaldo Wright. Ronaldo is a financial advisor uh, at Primerica and literally came to me in a time of need when I was transitioning out into entrepreneurship. 
to help me get my life together. You know, coming from a standard 401k to figuring it out as an entrepreneur, he was able to give me a lot of insight. So Ronaldo, I'll let you give a little bit about yourself, but I just wanted to bring you in with the understanding that your family in this room. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak to you all today and be a part of this uh, this movement. You know, I look at it as a movement. We have to educate and make sure that people understand what they're doing, you know, and I think that one of the areas that is uh, most looked over is the financial arena. And that's why I myself got involved with it because I, if when I was growing up, you couldn't tell me I was going to be anything other than an engineer. You know, that was my focus. That's where I wanted to go. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, and I made a change when I found out that there was a major gap and there was a major need when it came to the financial arena. So I'm born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, had a background of school, you know, and uh, before getting into this arena. I mean, I've interned in different areas. I've interned as an engineer. I had jobs lined up for me, but I decided to go in the business, uh, in the financial services business, because I literally saw a need there that said, if somebody doesn't take this and start to educate the people around us, then we're just going to stay in the same hamster wheel. Mm. You know, we're going to stay in the same cycle of every generation starting over. We're going to have the same cycle of not enough, you know, too much month at the end of the money. So we just, you know, wanted to make sure that we have, you know, some adjustments. So I literally uh, have now been in business for 16 plus years, a little over 16 years. So coming directly out of school, I, it wasn't something I grew up saying, hey, I want to be in financial services. But when I started to learn the things that we have not been taught, it was something I just felt was my responsibility to share with the people around me. Well, you know, you are some of an engineer, right? A financial engineer. It's the same. <laughs> right. I love that. <laughs> the wizardry of it all is engineering. But thank you, Ronaldo. But you know something else that, that you said I've never heard. I thought you made a mistake and then it hit me. He said... Too much money too much, yeah, yeah. at the end of the money. I said, wait that's a minute. That's one of minute. my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's one of my favorites. Like, why is there so much month left? Like, <laughs> so much month left. Right. Too much Especially month. Especially if you're one of those people, like, teachers that get paid on the 1st or oh the 31st, and that's it. I actually enjoy it now. But when I didn't Oof. know better, getting paid that one time a month, whoo, around the 16th or 20th, you like, oh. Another 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'm telling you right now, I, I'm going to ask your permission, but I'm going to do it anyway. I promise I'm stealing that one. I am stealing too much month at the end of the money. I, I love that. That's my new shit. That's it. All right. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get in this wild black shit. Ronaldo, you ready, brother? I'm ready. All right. Three questions. The first two, culture, laid back, fun. Number three is our signature question that we ask every single guest on the podcast. Start with number one. You remember the mid-90s when Columbia House was always sending those, those, those pamphlets to our, our homes, whether it was you could buy, you know, 400 CDs for a penny or 2,229 <laughs> cassettes for a penny. Do you remember Columbia House? I, I I didn't remember the name of it, but I do remember those, uh, you know, the, those uh, mail-ins coming in where you could buy just about anything for a couple of pennies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let, let's say you're back there, right? You've got it in your hand. I want you to kind of vibe with the times we were in. What were the first five CDs or cassettes 
you were going to get for that penny? What, what were your top five? Oh, my God. I, I almost uh, don't want to say what CDs I ended up. Uh, <laughs> hey, bro, this is an age-friendly show. I'm 45 years old. Let's go ahead and get it. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, I'll tell you, my aunt. Uh, oh, you gonna put it on the aunt? Me t- yeah, because you know, you yeah, it's it's you're a victim of your environment sometimes, right? But you know, 100. so I'm thinking that you know, at, at that time, man, you said mid nineties. Yeah. So that would have put me in going into high school. Now, Ooh, like yeah. end in middle school. <laughs> so, okay, so let's let's just be uh, let's just be upfront. So, you know, back then, um, you had No Limit Records was kind of yep. getting into the the yep. arena. So, just about every uh, No Limit CD I had, from Ice Cream Man all the way to when they got you know Snoop involved, you know. Ice so Cream it's Man. Mia, yeah, X. Mia, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Mia X, uh, Mr. Servon, Mr. Servon, you know, all dope. those guys. Yeah, yeah. So you, uh, I'm trying to remember. God, he called himself uh, the excited private Mr. Womp Womp. What was his name? <laughs> Golly, I'm, you know, but all, all I knew is if you got those CDs, track number one was going to have everybody on the label on it and it was going to be hit. That's all I remember. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, those were, you know, I think some of the the CDs. Now, I'm, a, I'm an Atlanta native, so, you know, uh, looking at, people that you you may not have heard of, you know, if depending on where you're from, but there was a lot of uh local, you know, yeah. uh low Kilo Ali, yeah. you know, uh, you know, folks like that 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 were real big at that time. And, you know, uh, of course the the local celebrities we have you know, and love, you know, like Monica and, you know, Ludacris. And, Absolutely. I mean, because back uh, back in that time, I think Ludacris was, was yeah, I mean, every time you got on the radio, I mean, who who else do you Great know? Lover, lover, and yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, when you start your show every morning or every day with a freestyle and it's right. different every day, you know, that's a different level of talent. So I got a lot of respect for those guys that's real for talk, opening man. up those doors. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, I'm hit you with question number two. All right. Black folks are innovative as hell. I mean, we we can make anything out of anything. So if you think back to plastic grocery store bags, right? They they're under the the sink in like ninety eight point seven two three percent of households, right? Black right, households, right. them bags are under the. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Think. Tell me, Absolutely. tell me, I'm not going to put too much pressure. Tell me three things that black folks do with those bags other than put groceries in them. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, you can use them for everything. They're they're the uh, resource. You keep extra ones in your car, yeah. you know. So when it's time to throw stuff out in the car, when you kind of got to dump the things that the kids left in the car, you yep. put them in that bag. That's one. You know, another one is they are uh, they come in real handy if you have young kids. So you know, I have a bunch of kids myself from sixteen all the way down to two. And if they have a diaper and you don't, you're not near a diaper pail. It's a real good thing to, you know, wrap that thing up in there. <laughs> Double right. wrapping uh, a lot of times. And okay, so that's two. And a third one would be, you know, something you could use to cover your head if it's raining. You know, <laughs> so if it's raining outside, you got to run out real quick. You can throw that thing over your head. Hopefully, it doesn't cover your face and you. Get suffocated. Pray you don't suffocate. But or you can cover your cap. shoes too. It's a shower cap. It's a spend the night bag. Spend the night. That's bag. right. <laughs> cover your shoes when it's raining. Cover your right. shoes and the snow. If you got mud and all that stuff, you don't want your shoes to get wet or messed up, especially that first day of school. Exactly. The all white Air Force all Ones. White exactly. You, you keep bags with you when you're wearing those. <laughs> you. Your card oh, is secure, man. brother. Your your card is secure. Your card is secure. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hit you with our, our third and signature question. And we ask every guest that comes on the show this question. You ready? I'm ready. What do you love most about life while black? Man, you know, he said most. There's so many things I could <laughs> talk about, but, you know, I, I love being us. You know, I, I, I feel like we're, we're mimicked, we're, uh, we're strong, we're able to, you know, endure and move through and grow and even thrive through situations that, you know, may be seemingly set up to hold us down. You know, it's, it's just, I love the pride, I love the way we look, yeah. you know what I mean? I love the, that, that melanin is beautiful, you know, I just, I, I just... I love being us. You know, I love that there is a culture, you know, for us to 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 have. I love that there was a struggle that we had to go through or that our ancestors had to go through so that we could have something to be proud of. Yeah. You know, I I just love that you know, we 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 don't just sit back and take it. You know, yeah. we we will grow. We will get better no matter what position we're in. We're going to get better. We're going to find a way. And I think that uh that in itself, um, gives me a lot of pride. Yeah. Pride for me is, is the key word. I, I have so much pride in myself, but, but so much more in and stemming from all the people who came before me and who found Absolutely. a way to succeed regardless of the circumstances they were placed in. And, and for me, sure. that is a motivating force like none other. And then actually it extends even, even past me. But because of that, I want to create a world that my children can can thrive in the capacity that my ancestors couldn't even fathom. And, and so I, I couldn't right. agree more, man. It, for me, it, it is all about pride and who we are as a collective people. For and sure. we're helping people be who they need to be with the resources they need to get there today. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to jump into this dope quote. The dope quote is typically from the mouth of someone black. Today, actually, it is not. But it comes from religion, philosophy, history, mathematics, education, arts, entertainment, any aspect of culture that speaks to the topic of today. And I actually have two of them. This is, this is a wild black first. I have two dope quotes that I want to read. So I'm going to read them both. And then, Ronaldo, I'd love to get your thoughts on these quotes into yours as well. The first one, an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. 
of Benjamin Franklin. And number two is, how many millionaires do you know who have become wealthy by investing in savings accounts? I rest my case by Robert G. Allen. Ronaldo, I'd love to get your thoughts on those two quotes, brother. Well, you know, I, I agree. You know, you don't see uh, people getting wealthy through, um, through savings accounts. And, and the reason I say that is because there is a huge difference between saving and investing. Right. You know, I, I always say that there's, there's levels of understanding that will allow you to build wealth. And if you don't, you know, I, I believe in what's called financial aptitude. Right. If you don't have a certain level of financial aptitude, you don't have a chance without having someone around you that does kind of give you the way and the steps to, to get to that point. You know, uh, saving a loan is like elementary school level understanding. I mean, if you think about chickens and eggs, I always say if you, uh, you, you took a, a chicken and it started to lay 10 eggs a week and you had the concept of saving, well, then you could take that one egg out of that every week and you could put that one egg in a basket because you only use nine. Yet, if you do that long enough, what'll happen is the uh, basket will soon run over. Well, that's one thing you're saving. If you took a dollar and stuck it in a drawer, come back 10 years later, if nobody sees it, that dollar is still there. That's saving. But when you do that, that dollar, those eggs sitting in that basket, they will not reproduce themselves, which is what investing allows us to do. If you mm -hmm. took one of those eggs out of each full basket, put it in the incubator, well, that will eventually turn into another small chicken, which will grow up and eventually start laying eggs itself. You know, mm -hmm. it takes time for that to happen, but your money does the same thing if placed in the right places. So absolutely, you know, that mm -hmm. second quote kind of really hit home. I love that. Savings is a tool, but it's not the end-all, be-all. It's not necessarily the way and it don't multiply. And so you got any Absolutely. thoughts? I do. I think I was resonating with the first quote. The second quote feels like a given. Um, <laughs> but the first is that, you know, if you don't, uh, we, we've talked about this, you know, online, offline, education is the key to our freedom in all places Absolutely. in life, right? So it doesn't matter if we're talking about financial literacy, if we're talking about even just losing weight, right? If you don't know how your body functions and how can you cater to your body to get it to do what you want it to do. And that's the same when it comes to our money. Um, if you don't know how to get it to do that, if you don't understand it, then you're just holding on to a dollar with no um, knowledge behind it, right? Like, like Ronaldo said, it's just sitting in a drawer yeah. and you haven't educated yourself as to what to do with it. It's not really doing anything, but it is in the drawer. You know, and I think for some people, that's where it ends. It's like, mm, I, my mama told me put it in a drawer, but there's more to it than that. You know, yeah. that's just stagnant. That so leaves much. us in the same place. Yeah. I've been on this financial journey personally for the last 12 years, 10 to 12 years or so. It started with recognizing how significantly ill-positioned I was. Even though I had a great job, great education, I, I recognized one day, like, I, I'm not, I am not doing this right, and I, I've got to correct it. And I went through a period of realization, then a period of action and getting out of debt, and then a period of building, and then a period of investing, and then I began to diversify my investments. But for me, it has been literally the journey of a decade. And, and one thing that, in the limited information that I know, from the books that I've read and the experience that I've seen, I've had so many conversations with people and it becomes obvious in a matter of moments that they just don't get it. They, ha they have not reached the, the level of understanding or strategy or, or thinking to escape the idea of putting a dollar in a drawer for safekeeping because I'll need it tomorrow. 
when in reality, you could put that dollar someplace else and have many, many more tomorrow. And, and that's why I'm so excited, like literally so excited for today's episode. Also, this is the moment where I shut up and I let Ensa and Ronaldo go to town. So, Ensa, I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> I've got my pen and my paper right here in front of me. Hey, I don't want nobody to teach me how to dug you, but please teach me how to double this money. It's all yours. <laughs> Definitely no Dougie, but we'll teach you how to double because I can't Dougie, to be clear. <laughs> Y'all don't take my card, okay? No other dances. Um, no, I want to jump right into it, Ronaldo. I, I wanted to approach this session by thinking through the questions that I get asked all the time and some of the things that, you know, I've sent some of my clients to you uh, when they come to me for accounting and tax. But normally it's some of these questions that has me um, sending them over to you. So jumping right into it, I, I want to ask, what do you think is the right time to start investing? And I'll frame that by just saying, are there kind of ideal conditions? Um, is there an age or a salary? Do I need to be married? You know, people ask me all these things before they get started. And I just wonder, um, what do you think is the right time to start? And also, is there a minimum dollar amount that you think people need to start with? I believe that, um, you know, and I, I know it might sound funny, but the right time to start investing is now, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I say that because, you know, the, the biggest factor when you're investing as far as what your outcome looks like down the road is time more than anything else. You know, mm -hmm. too many times uh, I, I sit down and I speak to well-educated people who make money, who, you know, seemingly on the outside have it all together, you know, uh, and, and they are making some major mistakes that they don't realize are major mistakes, you know, and some of those are, uh, I'll do it later. You know, I'll do it later is the biggest thief to wealth building that I've seen. You know, uh, mm -hmm. you just go come on my podcast and talk about me. Huh? I see. It. I see. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Bro. I'm sorry. No, go no, you're fine. <laughs> see, if, if you understand or know, you know, kind of how it works, then, you know, I always say, think about, look at your cell phone. Like, just take the cell phone that you have. It doesn't matter whether it's an Android, whether it's an Apple phone, whether, you know, whatever type of phone it is. If you still have a flip phone, we're praying for you. But if you, you know... <laughs> It, it, no matter what size phone, Don't look talk at about you, my mama. <laughs> <laughs> but if you if you have a phone, like imagine you had a snowball in your hand, the size of that phone, and you took it from your driveway. Just think about the front of your driveway, or think about your front door, and you it, just imagine it's snow out there, and you rolled it from your driveway or from your front door all the way to the first stop sign, wherever that is, whatever the closest one is to you. For the, the closest stop sign. When you get to that stop sign, that snowball will be significantly larger than it was when you were starting to roll it. Now, I'm saying that because when you start rolling that snowball, it starts to pick up other snow as it's rolling. Now, I want you to think about the exact same size snowball being rolled down Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. Now, the exact same snowball going down Mount Everest is not going to just turn into the size of the snowball at your stop sign. That snowball at the stop sign might be as big as your table. It could be as big as your car, depending on, you know, how far that stop sign is away. But it will not turn into an avalanche. Why? Because the distance from your door or your driveway to that stop sign is not even close to the distance from the peak to the, to the bottom of Mount Everest. 
see the distance that it had to travel turned it into an avalanche, you know, and it'll crush everything at the bottom. So the key is not just the the uh, the amount, which is the size of the snowball. Too many people don't start saving or investing, and I, I do mean both. They don't start saving or investing until they feel like they have what they feel like will be a respectable number to start with, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the issue is stop waiting to make a deposit that you feel like will, will be respectable and start making a deposit because all of us have different size phones. The key is start rolling it, you know, yeah. start rolling that, that, that snowball the sooner you do that, the larger it will, will get. And I tell you, I can show you examples real life of how, you know, people, matter of fact, if, if you took a set of twins that both heard the information we're talking about today or sat down with us at, uh, at age 18, and let's say they were both graduating high school and they had gotten this money, you know, that they were getting ready to uh, start putting away, uh, you know, from their, from their graduation money. And one of them... They both got a job. They're twins. They work at the same job. They have the same income. They work the, the, have the same pay scale. Everything's exactly the same. But one of them decides, I'm going to start saving money now. And that child starts to save, let's say, 100, 200 bucks a month. And they're going to do that. They plan on doing it until they retire. The other one says, man, we're young. You know, we don't have to start saving yet. We should have some fun. We're getting ready to go to college. You know, there's going to be a lot of things. We're not making enough money to save yet anyway. I can't tell you how many people make that mistake because it doesn't take a lot. But, you know, they just say, I'm going to do it later. So what happens is that that responsible child who just has a lot of fun in school, you know, he, he burns every dollar that he makes. And then he says, okay, upon graduation from college, let's say 25th birthday, I'm going to start saving. And I'm going to start putting money away all the way to I'm retired also. Now, while they're in school, the child that started saving, the one that put away a little bit of money, they would probably have somewhere between 10 to 20 grand, depending on, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, where they were investing that money. And Mm -hmm. that 10 to 20 grand gave them enough confidence, made them a little more attractive, made, you know, that they they were they had a confidence level because of what they had you know uh, uh, sitting to the Coming side out of it. Yeah, yeah exactly and they they ended up getting married had kids got a job that does pay well but they stopped saving mm-hmm. at twenty five years old so how many years is that eighteen to twenty five seven years yeah never added another dollar to it. The twin, yep, the twin who just started at age 26 after that 25th birthday mm-hmm. would be saving all the way to retirement. How many years is that? You know, you think about 30 something years. 40. Yeah, exactly. 40 years. Do you know that if the 18 year old who started to save 100 bucks only did it for seven years, the 26 year old who started to save 100 bucks and did it for almost 40 years? Do you know the 18-year-old who only saved for seven years, if they invested their money in the exact same types of funds, the the one who started earlier and stopped Stop. saving would have more Still money at more retirement? Money. Yeah, because uh-huh. yeah, it started so much sooner. It's That's compounding right. over time. And That's people right. miss that. I mean, even me, I'm not going to say people. I'm people. People is me. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I I knew better and didn't do better. And that's that's part of the problem too, because you don't see it 
exemplified. You hear better, but you don't see that happening in your social circle. So it's not the cool thing to do. So you don't do it. Um, but you're right. I know that there are people that I know a specific person, a guy I was dating in my early twenties that was investing heavily at that time. And was like, we have roommates now. We don't need all this money. And he has, to your point, stopped. And I know for a fact right now has more money in his bank account or his savings than I will have when I retire. I know for a fact, because to your point, he became very confident. Also, he learned from his mistakes a lot earlier um, and was able to start applying those even earlier, which to your point is a time thing. Like the sooner you know better, the more you can make. And it's better to make those mistakes when you don't have a whole um, spouse and children or whatever, you know, even elderly parents, like depending on you, you took those risks when you were young enough to rebound from them very early. Absolutely. Um, So what's your take on if I have debt, let's say I have, you know, credit card debt or student loans um, that I need to pay off. Should I start investing or saving at the same time as I pay that off? Or would you recommend I pay the debt off? Like, what's your thoughts? Do you have kind of like a holistic discussion with people around that timing? I think that it's a situational thing, you know, because if you have put yourself in such a debt position that it doesn't allow for you to save because every time you start to save, the interest that's being paid towards debt ends up making you go back into that account, you know, uh, or it doesn't allow you to, to, to give that snowball time to actually roll because you actually have to keep reaching back into it, stopping the snowball and, if you will, cutting some of it off and and trying to start rolling with it again. So I think that it has to be a balance. You know, they're, they're, the better way to do it is that there's a balance. You know, if you completely neglect the uh, paying off the debt and only save, I think that's a problem. And I also think it's a problem if you completely neglect saving and only deal with debt because of that compounding effect that we talked about, that time frame. You may say, well, I can, I can take another four or five years and, um, you know, be, be completely done with all my credit cards, cars, things like that. And then if I start piling that money on or what's called debt stacking, if I start uh, doing that, I can typically pay a house off in less than 10 years. But remember the twins? That 10 years could cost you Millions a lifetime, in the long yeah, life, a lifetime of money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's that's one thing that I talk to people about often, right? And I I don't um, discredit anybody who is trying to go the accelerated path of paying off debt, right? And I get it because one of the things I talk about is just kind of holistic wellness, and I think that holistically, if that's what you need to feel mentally secure in your wow. life, then you, you've got to do that because that's that's for your mental health, your self care. That's fine. But just understanding the economics of it, sometimes how you deploy your cash makes such a difference. So if that debt is not costing you something that exceeds what you can gain on the money. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludacris. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.
then it doesn't make sense to throw all of your money at the debt because you also don't know in a few years if your money will still earn the rate that it could earn today, right? That's so sometimes right. you got to take take advantage of ideal conditions when the other side of it is that it's a low cost debt, you know? Absolutely. And in some cases that interest, to, in my opinion, is, you know, you could think differently. In my opinion, sometimes that cost is, it's a sunk cost, you know, in accounting, we call sunk cost things I can't really do nothing about. So ultimately, right. like it's already over there. You already did it. So you might as well start making some good decisions to offset that one that is already kind of a sunk, a sunk cost. Right. Okay. Well, the other questions that I hear surround kind of like resources, right? People don't know where to get information, what information they should know before they get started and like how to find resources that they can trust, whether that be, you know, online or, or people like an advisor or something like, where do they start in your opinion to get good information? Well, I think it's uh, important to, gosh, get multiple opinions, you know, and and I say that uh, cautiously as well, because there's a lot of opinions being given that aren't warranted. I always say first, when you're going <laughs> to take advice, you know, from somebody, make sure that person qualifies to give you that advice. Like that's yeah. extremely important. Like, oh my goodness, I can't tell you how many people, you know, uh, are taking advice from people who have, oh my goodness. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, will, it blows my mind. And, and, you know, most of those, um, I, I guess, unwarranted, <laughs> unearned, um, "Quote unquote professors, mm-hmm. they they are typically moving on half understood information themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so you uh, I think having a certain level of um, background in a certain area, like if if you said, hey, I I watch Doctor Oz every day, or you know what I used to love this show called House. You know where uh, the doctor would go through and he would cure people and heal them. You know just based on information that he already knew and learned in school. That's not a person I would confidently allow to say they're going to perform surgery on me just because because they watched house. Yeah, because they watched house. So they, you know, my. You can't be my lawyer because you watch Law and Order. Exactly. (laughs) It's the the same way, you know, people, I've heard people nowadays even talking about like in my arena, financial services, they'll say, well. Mm You know, we we got things like, um, you know, they got these apps that you can do. Like, I can download Robinhood, or I can, mm-hmm. you know, I can uh, use the there's there's self you know self training uh, systems that are there. Mm-hmm. And I always say, you trying to do what I do from an app is the same as me telling a real estate agent I don't need them because I've downloaded Zillow. Yeah, like it just, I got Zillow. It doesn't make sense. So, you know, make sure that, you know, a person having professional licenses, that I think is a uh, is a is an at least identifier that they have some more than just ground level knowledge. So tell tell us, let's stop, because we have to imagine they don't even know what that means. Right. So I I was showing the difference between I know like the difference between a CPA and a CMA. People ask me all the time. Right. So what are some of the licenses or credentials specifically that you would suggest they look for? Well, absolutely. You know, uh, understanding that, you know, the diff- like you was talking about, the different level of tax uh, person, you got the preparer, mm-hmm. you got the enrolled agent, you got the CPA, the tax attorney. Mm-hmm. Those are different levels of people and yeah. they, they come with different skill sets, you know. Uh, the same way in, in, in our arena, you know, if you have what's called series licenses, 
You know, just for example, a Series 6 license will allow a person to uh, have a certain amount of expertise in, say, open-end funds or what's called mutual funds. They're they're mm-hmm. about building wealth down the road. Series 7 licenses will know more about personal stock, you know, uh, things like that. If you have a Series 65 license, those are what's called managed account uh, funds where you can do things that are less risk-averse, but also have somebody kind of daily trading in the account for you, you know, so... Those kind of things. Also, um, having certifications in the financial services arena is a is a positive. You know, so when you're looking at uh, a real estate agent, understands a whole lot more than a person who just takes money and invests and buys property to flip it, because yeah. there are certain codes and tax things that they're aware of, and you know, they're they're just things that they learn. That's the reason they have to take a test, you know, to get those licenses, get and it's point. not easy, right? Yeah. So what I are think, some of the uh, certifications? I know the series exams, but are there like um, I've seen a lot of a C C soup is what I call that. A lot of like certified financial planner, like CFP. Is that a thing? In there? Yep. So certified okay. financial planner, you know, that's uh, that's one. And just like uh, the at, in that tax code, there's different levels of understanding. I think that one thing that we have to be careful of is what's being pushed to us based on information like commercials, ads, Mm -hmm. billboards, what the talk of the day is. You know, there was a time where, you know, people said, don't do anything unless you talk to a financial professional. Then we moved into an era where they said, well, you don't need a financial professional because you're just paying them. You can do it yourself and get the same. Mm -hmm. You can put money into into an index fund and you can get the the index fund always keeps up with the S&P 500. You know, I've heard all of that. At the same time, when you look at the actual results, statistically, when you're talking about the real numbers, not somebody's idea, a person with a financial professional with less income typically has more than $500,000 more than a person who didn't when they get to, to retirement. And, it's, it, and that's just a... a so let's, let's say it again. Two people that say they're going to start saving at the same age, have the same mm-hmm. typical income, start putting away the same kind of money in the same similar areas. The one with the financial professional that helps them make those decisions is going to be the one that comes out far ahead. And it almost seems like I might be saying that because I am one, but you Not have to like, think, you know. The, we can prove it. Yeah, yeah. These are our real statistical numbers. I mean, think about think about people like Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, mm-hmm. you know, people that that we're all very familiar with. Do you think they have financial advisors? Absolutely. Yeah, but you 100. would think that, well, this person, you know, has enough money where they shouldn't run out of money. Why would they need to ask somebody it else for matter. help? You exactly. still got to grow this money. Exactly. And when you you need somebody that's not emotionally tied to your decisions to help Ooh, you make good part. decisions financially. I like yeah. that. That's so my, my cousin should not be doing this for me. No. Absolutely not. And you most certainly don't need to be doing it all alone either because you are emotionally tied. That's it. And I think that, that goes into like your risk appetite and your risk profile and understanding how you feel about losing money. Like for me, Vegas is not a place I go. I am not emotionally capable of losing money. I don't like it. So when I go, <laughs> I'm just going for for food in the pool, you know, a good massage. I'm not going to lose money because that's not my, my mentality. And it's the same even in my investment approach. I realized I had to be a little bit more hands-off and not be checking it every day. I can't 
I'm not that person because I would I would withdraw all my money tomorrow. <laughs> like, no, it moved too much. I don't like it. I lost seven cents. I need mm-hmm. all my money back. Run me my check. So, <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, that's that's good information to know because I think, like I said, people are always asking, "How do I know um, what's right and and what's wrong?" and listening to the internet. And I think honestly, part of it is like a common sense check, right? You know, if it just oh, yes. don't make no sense. To you, if you just can't understand it at all, like whatsoever, then, you know, in addition to doing your due diligence and just researching what was said, if it feels wrong in your gut, you know, nine times out of 10, it's it's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. So so when I get hit up and and they say, listen, 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 if you just put $15 in 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 the next two to three months, we can turn that into $65,000. I should probably be a bit wary, right? Yeah, I would say so. Just like giving up $15, then, you know, by all means, oh, do what I'm, you feel. I'm going to cancel this $15 transfer I made this morning. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, you know, I, I also say look at the source. You know, right. look right. at the source. If You know, I always uh, heard that you never take advice from somebody more messed up than you. Yeah. You know, look, so. <laughs> yeah. I've had a lot of people do that. I've, I've even had clients that I've had to... Um, disengage. You know, they say you can fire employees. I fire clients because sometimes I realize that, you know, you want to tell me that QuickBooks could do my job. And if that was the case, then even QuickBooks would not be trying to sell to you a bookkeeper on top of the software. Like if if you could do it alone, then why are they adding this as a layer of service that you just don't need, I guess. So, okay. Absolutely. I want to, I want to dive into what do you think um, prevents people from investing, right? I know you talked about one of the things being just the the mentality of I'll do it later, but what do you think prevents us? And, and do you think that answer is different for people of color? Oh my God, that is such a loaded question. And I, I'll say that <laughs> my, 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 my biggest answer to that would be environment. You know, mm-hmm. if you're in an environment or around people that, um, look at things a certain way, then you will typically see it the same way. You know, so I was once told if you take the five people that uh, if you take the five people that you spend the most time listening to, like the Uh most time. So these are best friends, might be family members, you know, uh, living with you. Yep. Could be a spouse. And if you average out their incomes, so you take add all their incomes up together, divide it by five, you will typically be within a couple thousand dollars of your income. Of that average, yeah. Yeah, it's just because it's birds of a feather, you know. So if you are in a certain environment where doing a certain thing makes sense and you don't, there's no checks and balances or nobody there that has a level of success that can kind of be a litmus for the decisions we're making, then you don't necessarily expect to be the first one to get there. Like just for example, you know, we talk about, I I, I go in an auditorium full of people and I speak uh, to organizations, companies, groups, and I I like to ask a a few questions. And one of those is, you know, who in the room wants to become wealthy? Guess Mm -hmm. how many hands go up? All of them. And I say, Mm -hmm. well, what are some of the ways that you can become wealthy? And you, you, what are some ways that you're saving to put money away, you know, and People raise their hand, the bold ones, now a 401k. And then I say, okay, well, let me ask you this. Can you name me one person in the world? I'm not going to limit you to your job. I'm not going to limit you to your region. 
not going to limit you to your state, country, or I said the world, who got wealthy from their 401k? You know this was on my list, right? This is one of my <laughs> so, <laughs> my questions. Yeah. So if you're in an environment where when somebody says, are you saving for retirement? And the words 401k can come out of your mouth confidently. And that be basically the gist of the end your all, answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you're in an environment where wealth is not being built. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so the, if you are around a bunch of entrepreneurs or people like myself who understand how that stuff works, and you say that, you should catch our facial expression like, Wait All looking at you first. <laughs> yeah, what like, are you no, saying? What, are you, what are you doing? That's, that's, and that's, that's not the way. <laughs> and that's when it brought back two, two things that I hear all the time. One is in my favorite song, and the other one is just the same. But, you know, they say your network is your net worth. And I always Absolutely. say, show me your network, and I'll show you your net worth. Because ultimately, it. it's the same exact equation you're giving if you're surrounded by people um, that are, lower earning than you and also content with that because that's the other thing I think is important is like I have some people around me that are going up and down on the spectrum of their earnings and wealth or whatever but their mindset is wealthy Mm. and so even the decisions that we make we could be broke but we won't be broke long together because our mindsets are focused on wealth so and then the other thing that I love is you broke if everybody around you is broke you broke if everybody next to you is broke Jay-Z, Jay-Z said that part. And that was like, it's real life out here. That's true to me. Like I had to start thinking about it from a community standpoint that everyone around me needs this knowledge that I have and that there should be someone in my network giving me knowledge, right? Shouldn't be a one-way street. But if I'm not learning and if I'm not teaching, then we all are just staying broke together. What's the point of that? Absolutely. I think what is speaking of Jay-Z, he has one of my favorite quotes in one of the oldest albums that you could probably think of where he says, everyone, if everyone in your clique is rich, your clique is rugged. No one right. will fall because everyone will be each other's crutches. Mm. Right. That, I got to lift mean, you up. That's real. Absolutely. Because if you think about it, like what what happens in a circle where we're all you know, astute and wealthy. Number one, it's unlikely you're going to fall because there's so many people around you. You might trip, but it's unlikely you will actually fall. Um, There's just too many people around you. And then if you do, it's not a a hardship for the individuals in your circle to lift you back up. That's the other thing. Like if you set everybody else up when you need them, they're there. Absolutely. If, if, if you guys are making decisions together, like you said, it's not going to be likely that one of you just falls off. But life does happen. Life happens yeah. no matter how much money you save, no matter, Absolutely. you know, you can't outsave life. You know, nope. that's that's the, the truth. But like you said, if 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 the five people closest to you are all billionaires and you lose everything, do you think you're going to end up homeless? Ne- never. You're still a billionaire. In my mind, with the people I run with, you're still a billionaire. You're going to be just fine. You're fine. Exactly. So I guess my my question to you would be, what would you tell, you know, your 18-year-old self, 20-year-old self about investing? And kind of aside to that, what is an appropriate age to start talking about financial literacy? Oh, my God. I would tell my uh, 18-year-old self to save and invest, save and invest. Now, why why am I saying that? Because I want, you know, everybody on this call, I want you to think when you were 18 years old, 
whatever job you were doing, you I don't care if you were making minimum wage. I don't care if you were making a bunch of money. You know, I don't care if you were acting like you had money when you didn't. I don't care if you were cutting grass and getting paid every step, whatever it was. Think about your age 18 job. And I want you to think about how much money has come through your hands between the age of 18 and right now. Ooh, now, I want crying. you to think about if, right, right, Ooh. without crying, I want you to think about if you still had just 10% of every dollar that you ever touched from that day, where would you be now? What would your no, life look like that. now? I would be That's standing on my boss's He's going to have us on the altar. Right. Right. Yeah, that's probably right. where I would be in this moment. You just brought us to the altar. I got to yeah. I mean, get down here and talk to Jesus. Yeah, I mean, the reality is if somebody had told us that and we really grasped that concept, see, that was the elementary school level understanding. We didn't even mm-hmm. have that at 18. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to, to expect somebody in their mid-20s and 30s to completely understand investing it, when they didn't even have the, the first the portion. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, my God, not, we, we're not even talking about if you invested that money. I just said saved. Like, what if you had right. just stuck it in a jar? Just save it, right. <laughs> right. And so. it, that's, that's the one thing I think I can appreciate in my parents is that at the time I was annoyed. But as a kid, they made me sit at the table when we were talking about the education savings funds and were explaining to me, I was probably in the third or fourth grade, and were explaining to me, like, this is money we're putting aside for school. And the guy is, my dad made the gentleman explain the plan to me. Like, if you don't go to school, what you can use the money for, if you get a full scholarship, you can use the money for other things. And it did two things. It definitely gave me a level of transparency about the money, but it also motivated me. Like, well, if I get a full scholarship... <laughs> He said, I can use this money for some other stuff, like a car. <laughs> <Right. laughs> like, so, Absolutely. you know, so in my mind, I was like, I got to make straight A's. And also that it could roll over to my brother. I'm a nice person. Bye. Okay. But yeah. All right. I want to go back to something else you said. Um, you mentioned uh, 401k. And this is this is probably one of the moments where I'd had this aha moment in my earlier years. But in talking to you, I was like, man, I really didn't get it until you said it. What what would your uh, pros and cons, yay or nay, be if someone told you, like, I'm investing, you know, 100% of my investment is done in my 401k. I'm maxing it out. You know, is this good, bad? What should I be doing differently? Well, I, you know, it, it's, again, a situational thing, you know, depending on the yep. person. But what I would say is that, uh, again, if I ask that same result, you know, to the entire room, who wants to become wealthy? Can you name one person in the world that's done it through a 401k? My last question to them is typically, who expects to, who, who in here thinks they're going to be the first one? You know, because mm-hmm. if it hasn't happened so far, and you, you most people don't even understand what a 401k is, how mm-hmm. it works, where the money comes from. We don't ask basic questions that would, in a normal situation, be common sense. Like, I want you to picture us three sitting at a, uh, a, a, in a restaurant. Let's say we're sitting at Capitol Grill somewhere and, you know, somebody walks up and just sits a set of keys on the uh, table and say, hey, here's a free car. You know, we, we, none of us would just pick the keys up and say, oh, thanks, we appreciate it, get excited. <laughs> We're going to all look at those keys like, why are you, what, what's going on with, right, something's going on with this car, what's happening? But because we've all been taught, I don't even have to finish the phrase for you to say nobody will give you anything for free. For free. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you think about 
uh, the, the, the situation where your job comes and says, we're going to give you something for free. Why don't we question that the same way we would question those keys? Mm-hmm. It's because it know? was pushed on us. It's like marketed to us at some point that you just do it, you know? And even in music, if you think about it, it's like, I want a man with a 401k. Right. Do you? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> do you that's really? that environment. Yep, that's it that is. Environment it's, the, it's the environment. We've taken yeah. it in. So I'll ask you the question. What Explain or break it down. What is a 401k? What is it costing us? Or, or what is it costing the employee? And why is it not always... Um, free money, you know, getting something for free. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Absolutely. And I think it's important for me to say, am I saying that 401ks are a bad thing? Absolutely not. What I am saying is that just like anything else, it's a situational thing. We have accepted it as a blanket, this is what we're supposed to do, but without Mm -hmm. looking at, uh, well, how does it benefit me? Time frame Mm -hmm. matters. Match matters. You know, do do they put money in with you or do they not? You know, if they do... Is there something called a vesting period? A vest, you know, right, get to that vesting yeah, schedule. Yeah, so why is it that when money is put in this account, I can't touch it for a certain period of time? It, mm-hmm. You know, I always say uh, whenever you're dealing with anything with your money, and this is the the biggest hangup with things that are that have a third-party relationship-style ownership, all right? And what I mean by that is if you had a car and we all rode together to that restaurant that we I was just talking about, and let's say that, uh, and so you were driving, when we get to the restaurant, my wife calls and she says, hey, something's going on with one of the kids. That's totally possible. I have enough kids for an emergency to happen <laughs> at any time, right? So let's, right, so let's say that my wife calls and says, hey, something's going on with one of the kids. I need you to come back. Now, I didn't drive. I left my right. vehicle at your house, right? So mm-hmm. let's say we're there. How many vehicles at the place do I control? None. None, because my car isn't there. How many vehicles at the the place that we are do I own? None. None. So the only way I can get to where I need to go is based on the relationship that we have. Mm -hmm. I may have to say, Mm -hmm. hey, Ensa, you know, is it okay for me to borrow your car? Mm Because you said you couldn't leave or whatever. Now, you have the right to tell me yes, tell me no, but it typically is going to start with a few questions. Like, what do you need a car for? How exactly. long are you going to be gone? You know, make sure yeah. when you come back, put some gas in it, right? right? So think about the only reason I have to ask you for permission is because I don't have any control or ownership. Correct. Now, the key, though, if you wanted to go somewhere because you control and own the vehicle, you could just say, I'm ready I'm to go. go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nobody to and ask. It, yep. But when it comes to things like, for, and I'm just using 401k since that's the topic that we're on right now, can you just go get in it and go like it's your car? Or do you have to ask someone for permission to get to it? And it's, it's the exact words you said. People borrow against yep. their 401k all the time, right? So those those terms were perfect. Absolutely. See, but, when we understand that control ownership relationship, I always say if anything's going to be important to you, it should be important to your core. Now, I know that's not how you spell that kind of core, but that's mm-hmm. a way to remember that acronym, C-O-R, Control Ownership Relationship. I love that. If mm-hmm. you don't have those, then you don't really have your hands on the wheel in that vehicle. 
Yeah. And then, so what you said that I want to just try, tie this metaphor up because it was perfect in my mind. And I want to make sure people get it is that you'd have to borrow the car. You'd have to tell me why you want to use the car. And yeah. then you got to put some gas in it. Right. So to connect the dots, I've got to borrow from my 401k. I've got to get yeah. permission based on what I want to use it for. I have right. to give it back in a certain condition and I got to right. pay. I got to put a little gas in it. In some yep. cases, gas I might have to pay. Yeah, that gas is interest. I got to pay yeah. to get my money. And it was my money to begin with. So to That's your right. point, you know, not never bashing a 401k, but just being very clear on what it is in relationship to some other things you could do with your money. Right. Absolutely. It's just not the best way to build wealth. You know, there's Correct. a difference between becoming rich and wealthy. Yeah. It's a, to me, it's it's more um, a savings tool than anything, honestly, for right. me. You're not growing that. Um, so I would say, uh, how do you know if your investments are successful? Like, how do we measure success? I mean, obviously, if I make one more dollar than I had on a very basic level, we could say that's successful. But what are some benchmarks that we should be kind of looking for in our investments? Well, the the investments have different purposes. You know, you have mm-hmm. um, there there are different levels of investing. You know, should you take every dollar that you make and put it in some high yielding fund or or some very aggressive high risk fund? No, but you should, depending on your age and the time frame, uh, maybe have a mix of that in there. If not, uh, you know, uh, the bulk of it. You know, so the younger you are, the more you know, aggressive you can typically be, you know, and I'm saying typically because again, everybody's situation is different. Uh, Mm -hmm. At the same time, when you get older and your body slows down, your ability to earn income starts to, uh, you know, to diminish, then you want to make sure that you have money working for you. That's one key factor is that we have been taught, go work for money, go work for money, go work for money. Matter of fact, you got songs about it, right? Our culture Mm -hmm. is real good at making you feel like you, you it, the more you work. hustle, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the better off you're going to be. When in reality, the mm-hmm. only way to become wealthy is to get money working for that you. That works for you. Yeah. Absolutely. We've, we've misconstrued the value of money over the value of time. Mm, and for honestly, sure. There's a huge difference. And, and I think what framed it for me was I can always get more money. I literally Absolutely. have the capacity to get more money if I desire to. I will never, there's nothing I could do, learn, say, Nothing that would allow me to get more time. So that's that's a a mindset shift for us. Born running out of time. Look, well, you got them. (laughs) You got them one-liners, boy. I'm I'm with it. (laughs) Right, (laughs) he's ready. Came prepared. I'm still trying to figure out how to get more months, less months, more more months, months. (laughs) less months, and more money. Right, (laughs) still at the beginning of the call. Um. Yeah, I I have uh, another question that I, I struggle with. Right, and so. The background of this question is from just the discussion of salaries. I realize that amongst my my friends, when we talk about saving and investing and becoming wealthy, um, one of the discussions that we weren't originally having very transparently was that of our salaries, which when we started to talk about it, um, revealed that a lot of us were underpaid. There's also sometimes not enough money, like just that literally you are not earning what you should. And we talk about this in, in other um, context as well in budgeting, but effectively sharing that let me know with my advisor. He straight up told me like you should be making sixty five thousand dollars a year. 
and I was 20 something. So I mean, very like 21. So I was uh-huh. like, oh, should I serve that? That How did you come up with that? Write it down for me. And I went uh-huh. back and told my boss and got that exact amount of money. So I appreciate wow. that. But in giving that background, my question is about the lack of transparency as it relates to the how and how much people are earning and what they're investing in. So I feel like there's a lot of like secrecy or just I can't tell everybody because if everybody does it, then I won't continue to make money doing it. And so I want to talk to you about the balance between like transparency um, and, and helping our community and like what's telling people too much that, you know, maybe starts to harm you. Well, I, I think that um, me personally, I believe that it would be a good idea to um, to to have to identify yourself in that way when you start to give a certain type of advice. Let me say say it like that. Like if you're going to tell me, you know, from from day one, you know, when we started talking about money, I always said that if somebody can't talk to you about their own money, then they shouldn't be talking to you about yours. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, from a transparency standpoint, there needs to be more of it. See, because of the lack mindset that has been embedded in our culture, there's a lack mindset. We all feel like just exactly what you said. Well, if I tell everybody else how to do what I'm doing, then there's not going to be enough for me. That's a lack mindset. Understand that th- there's magic in sharing. There's magic in it. There, the, when you share, you automatically add more value to whatever was started with. Think about a home. You know, if you have a certain amount of dirt uh, that's on sale in this plot of land, you go and buy that land for a certain amount of money. The materials that it takes to build that house they cost a certain amount of money. When those materials are put together on that plot of land, do they just, does it now that plot of land with that home on it, is it worth only what it costs to build it? No, it's worth more because the, but yet the people who put the products together, they were paid. The person who did the paperwork to make sure that land went in your name, they got paid. The the people who made sure, like every component of that, the people got paid, yet the thing still grew in value because there was a shared experience there. So Mm -hmm. I think that it's extremely important that we become way more transparent because if we don't, we never teach the the culture behind us or the, the, the ones coming up behind us how to even determine value. Why didn't you already know that you should be getting paid a certain amount of money? Why wasn't that in here? Because we haven't been taught something that's extremely important and that's how to value something, including ourselves. That, that mm-hmm. I could, I, we could do a whole <laughs> segment of, yeah, right. for sure. But, you know, just, just learning how to value things and then what uh, holds value for what reason. You know, there are different things that you do for different reasons. Some investments you might have, you know, uh, maybe for an emergency situation. Some investments are for to take care of you down the road. Some investments are, you know, for you to be able to take a, a calculated risk that may pay off but may not. You know, so there, there are always uh, things that, that, that come with, with sharing, but we have to be more open. I almost want us to have to wear shirts, you know, that, that show your income. So if you come up right. and somebody's talking about, you know, what uh, what you should be doing and why what you're doing is this or that, you know, you, you have to open up your, your jacket. Yeah, Let me like, see. Let me yeah, see. Yeah, what you doing? 
Exactly. I need to see the little bubbles like above our head, like they do in, in movies sometimes. <laughs> you just be oh, walking around with a with a number hovering, so I know you know even if not the number, you you in range ten or you in the first percentile of earners. At least then I know should I really be listening to this because right. it's a lot of people out here Gucci broke, Prada broke, Candy oh broke. I'm like I, I just this designer broke is just so interesting to me. Um, yeah, but it's a lot of it. <laughs> Okay, so let me right. see what else I've been I've been thinking about. I want to ask you because you kind of touched on a little bit. What role do you think our financial success and health and wealth play in our overall health and wealth as people? Like, how do we approach saving and investing holistically? I think that we should approach it the same way that I mean, if it matters to us, then we should value it the same way that things that really matter to us, uh, uh, the we it should hold that same place. Like mm-hmm. some of us would not allow our kids to be exposed to certain things. Why? Because we care about our kids. Why don't mm-hmm. we care about our finances the same way? Why don't we protect it the same way? And that goes right along with that transparency thing. Why are we seeking and taking advice from people who don't qualify? to give the kind of advice that we're looking for, you know, mm-hmm. and then where do we go, you know, for that, uh, that advice. So, I mean, there, there's so many, so many, so many uh, uh, things that we are just not doing. And it, it it's typically done in the name of ignorance. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a big difference between ignorance and stupidity. You know, mm-hmm. ig- ignorance is, I just didn't know. Nobody told yeah. me. I wasn't aware. But stupidity is is knowing better, but not doing better. I think yeah. that we have, uh, we have mistaken the stupidity that's going on around us uh, for stupidity only when the reality is there's a lot of ignorance happening. Yeah, mixed you into know? that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And layers of both. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think, you know, if if we get the ignorance part right, then we'll grow as a as a people as a whole, you know, um, because you'll be able to recognize and understand. And that's that's again part of that transparency thing. Why is it that, you know, uh uh companies don't disclose things a certain way? Why are we mm-hmm. not, you know, at a level of understand? I think you said it earlier. I mean, if you don't understand what's going on, you gotta trust your gut. You know, and Mm -hmm. and know that maybe it's not right. You know, I always say there's only two reasons why if you sit with a financial person who who really understands what they're doing, you sit down with any financial person, there's only two reasons why you wouldn't walk away from them fully and completely understanding. I already know the answer to this one. So one of those reasons is they don't tell you enough so that you really understand it because they don't want you to understand it. That way they uh-huh. can push something on you you don't necessarily oh, yeah. need. Uh-huh. The or, second one is they don't understand it well that's enough the one. to that's be the able one. to, you know, so it's like, but if you're going to deal with my money, both of those are a problem. You know, right. you, either way, it's an issue <laughs> for me. One is an integrity and one of it is ignorance. So exactly. either way, so it's integrity or intellect. Either you exactly. don't know or you don't want me to know and I don't have time for that. Exactly. Either way. So... Yeah, I I had uh, to challenge someone to write it down, right? So send me send me the the information that you're trying to give me in an email, and that was because I think sometimes people get real colorful in the verbal. Oh, um, for but sure. when we started talking about the numbers, like no, write that down for me so I can look at these numbers. No, send exactly. that to me in an email because it's one of those things. If you're at your job, 
and you've been trying to explain something, but you've really just been faking it till you make it. When somebody asks you to write up a proposal or put together a PowerPoint or, you know, write a document, you're going to have to stop at that point and actually do your research, do a logic check, make sure this makes sense. And if the person that you're dealing with can't approach you on that level, I'm not saying ask your friends to make you a PowerPoint, but if they can't give it to you very digestible, they don't get it and you don't get it either. And so there's no point in even going down that route. Well, Absolutely. I um, I, I want to just leave leave it leave some questions and space open to you. Just kind of understanding what would you consider uh, like a small step, simple step that we can all take towards building wealth or investing, and what is a pitfall that we should avoid? So, like kind of like a start, stop, continue. Um, if you were in an employment space, what should we all start doing? That's simple. What should we stop doing? That's hindering us. And what should we continue doing? I was going to ask a similar question. And after that, I got one more I want to tuck you into. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So if, if we, if I say start, I would say start to make adjustments. You know, start to make adjustments. Understand that if you don't change something now, then the next five years are going to look just like the last five. The next 10 are going to look just like the last 10. And you may say, oh, well, you know, I, I'm actually good. Things are going good. But I will challenge you to understand that good is actually the enemy of great. You know, mm-hmm. it just because you're, it's the same mistake people make when you, you, have you ever run into somebody you know you could help them? Like, you know, there's, and it doesn't have to be something financial. It could be anything. You know, mm-hmm. it could be carrying something up the stairs because you see them kind of struggling, you know, or with it or whatever. And you, you say, hey, can I help you? And they say, no, I'm what? I'm, I'm good. good. <laughs> like we're we are so conditioned with that you word that. That, that we will not we won't even seek out great and and right. I think it's 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 very very important that we start to understand since we're on start we start to understand that we're in a financial game you're in a game and guess what if you didn't know you're in a game then you probably have never tried to take a chance to look for the rules to that game. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. even if no, you are know, you close to winning? Exactly, because you're not gonna win a game you don't know the rules. You to. don't even know you that you don't even know you're playing. Exactly, exactly. If a bunch of us went out on a, a football field, you know, uh, adults, and we're about to play a middle school football team, but we walk out there with hockey sticks on uh, ice skates, and you know, we got baseball helmets and show we don't have on shoulder pad. Like we're not gonna win that game because we're not ready and equipped or or playing by the rules that that game um, says we're going to play by. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So now with stop, so that's start. We have to start to make adjustments. Stop. I would say stop faking the funk. Stop <laughs> acting like things are okay when they aren't. Raise your hand. Ask for help. It's okay. The people around you aren't perfect either. Stop hiding in the situation that you're currently in, expecting it to change, or like I talked about earlier, thinking that you need to be in a more respectable place when you ask for help or when you start something. You got to stop hiding. You, yeah. Like you, you, if you and can't, it, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you said that earlier and it struck me that, that it, being in a more respectable space, and I think that culturally, that's something we struggle with is being respected and being um, looked at as we're doing well. And I have to often ask people like, who is it that you're trying to get to respect you? And would they not respect you more if you were more knowledgeable, if you were more wealthy, if you were further along, 
And who who is this metaphoric they? Um, you know, is Absolutely. it is it is it white people or you know, is it your parents? Is it our ancestors? Who is the they? And and really understanding what they would respect in you. And when you reframe how you gain respect and who you want respect from, you stop waiting on things. Absolutely. Yeah, respect yourself enough. Uh, that, that's what I got <laughs> the first time was like, do you respect yourself enough to get out here and make this happen? Absolutely. So, Okay, so we got to start, we got to stop. What should we continue doing if we're doing it now? I think that we have to continue to be hungry for growth. Like, we have mm-hmm. to continue to be uncomfortable. Like, even though, you know, uh, uh, social media and everything else, you might look at things and people look super comfortable but really aren't. But I mm-hmm. think that we have to continue to strive to be where we think other people think we really are. <laughs> if that makes sense, you know. It does. Yeah, I instead mean, instead of faking the funk, actually strive to be. Yeah. Uh, instead of just faking it and keeping it moving. Yeah, I mean, aren't we tired of you know? Aren't you tired of acting like everything's okay? Don't you at some point want it to actually be okay? You Thank know what you I mean? Thank you, Miss Healy. Man. Thank <laughs> you, Miss Healy. <laughs> like you, it, it gets to a point of exhaustion, you know, with the way some, you know, the way some people operate. And I always say. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Take that un- unrealistic expectation off of yourself. Like, free yourself. It's heavy. Uh, let that yeah. go. Give yourself mm-hmm. a chance to to be candid and let people know, hey, I need help. I'm not perfect. I'm, because guess what? If If a child in elementary school walked up to you and said they need help, guess what you do? You say, oh, yeah, how, what, what can I do? What, how can I help you? Middle school, same mm-hmm. thing. High school, same thing. But the child who's obviously struggling in class and you say, hey, can I help you? And they say, no, nah, I got it. I'm good. You, you don't respect that anymore, and it doesn't, ma- it doesn't give you the same feeling. Like, we actually have an innate desire to, to help, help people. Yeah, yeah, so why do we think other people don't want to help us? Yeah, I agree. The only thing I wanted to, to ask on top of that is, is actually kind of a twofold question. If you had very direct, specific, three steps, five steps advice for people who want to start investing today, what would it be? And then secondarily, for the people who want to create a knowledge base in their children, what do you advise? How do they do that? I think that you have to start to educate yourself. I think everything starts with education. If you sat down with me and you said, hey, I have X amount of dollars, what should I do with it? I don't have an answer for you until we have a much longer conversation because I need to know where are you? What do you have? What are you trying to do? What is it going to, you know, what other resources, if any, you know, what do you want this specifically to do for you? Now, why do I have to ask all those questions? Because I know based on the typical person's level of financial education, you don't even know where to start. So we have to we, we have to get in our brain that people, like, like I just talked about, need help. So it starts with education. So for, for everybody that, that's listening to this, I would say start getting yourself educated. Look at, uh, find a mentor. That's extremely important. I haven't met 
anyone become who, who became extremely successful who didn't have a mentor in mm. some way. Some mentors teach us what to do, but some mentors mm. also teach us what not to do. Say that. And that sometimes we have street mentors that, you know, that we just kind of grew up around and we have family mentors that we, you know, also grew up around. But you pick up something from everybody. The key is what are you picking up and why are you picking that up? So I think it's educating ourselves, starting out, figuring out first, like I said, stop acting like it's already okay. Be okay with understanding you don't know all the answers already and know that the reason most people are struggling financially has very little to do with their income because most of us think, you know, it's the income. If we change that, we can change our life. Absolutely not. You'll just be at a higher level of broke. You, you have to get an understanding of how money works and how to get your money to work for you, but you're not going to accidentally figure that out. You have to get educated about how money works. I had no clue when I first started learning about that, how money actually works. I thought it was a crazy concept to think money works for you. It actually does. Mm. So, you know, I think getting an education and, and when you're educated on something, that uh, you can get that knowledge to your kids. Now, I'll say this, and then if, if uh, you got any more questions, be glad to answer, but this will kind of tie into the how do we get it to the kids as well. I, I, I stood up one, uh, one day, I was speaking to a specific church. If I said the name of the church, you'd know exactly what it is. I'm talking to the, the uh, on, on behalf of the, the, the pastor, I'm talking to the, the congregation. And I asked them, I said, so let me ask you guys, um, you guys believe that, the words in this book are you're supposed to live by. And they say, yeah, absolutely. I said, okay, so, you know, let me just ask, you know, because it talks about the borrower as a servant to a lender and things like that, so we should be getting rid of debt. You know, they, so I started talking, and I asked, I said, here's just a wild question. How much money do you think you would need to have saved to follow the scripture that says you're supposed to leave an inheritance to your children's children? Because it's got to be a lot of money if you're talking about passing a generation, right? And, you know, they said people yelled out, you know, I think this much, I think that much. And they gave a bunch of different numbers. But I asked them, I said, understand that that's almost a trick question because there's no amount of money alone that you can save that will outlive one generation. Mm. They're like, what do you mean? I said, it's it in that is an innate, it, there's a hidden meaning in it that mm -hmm. says, if you pass alone money alone, that's not enough. That's right. You have mm -hmm. to pass it on with knowledge. That's right. Yes. Because guess what? A, it, there's another scripture that says a fool and their money will what? Yeah. Soon part. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you you it, it doesn't say well soon part if it's less than ten million dollars. No, it, <laughs> there's no money. It says a fool, which means a person who is ignorant to the fact or doesn't know what's going on. So I think education is where it all starts. Even if in your lifetime, based on where you are, you don't get to a certain number, you can still pass on the education that will allow your child to start building wealth from where you left off. And I think that's all our real goal. Yeah, it goes back to that, that transparency topic that we talked about that, you know, it's, it often starts or our relationships or thoughts about what conversations are okay to have and not okay to have start at home. Absolutely. So there are a lot of conversations that are taboo or just not not for kids. You know, it's the adults talking, going going out of here, and that's how we start to frame it and don't even have any way to approach it. Even when we want to ask our parents, right? Sometimes we're ashamed right. or 
fearful of talking to the people who we should be seeking out. Like you said, whether they did it right or wrong, there's an example there. Oh my God, so, we have to we have to be extremely transparent with our kids at every mm-hmm. age about where mm-hmm. we are. I know some of us were so broke we didn't realize how broke we were. How as broke kids, we were? Yeah. You know, but Boy. the the reality is because our parents didn't tell us and educate us on how we how broke we were and why we were that way, we typically we are starting over. Yep. Yep, yeah, we're, we're doing it again. <laughs> exactly. And that's, I appreciated that there was a couple of Christmases where my dad told me really directly, hey, I know you want X and Y and Z. Um, I'm going to get you X, but we're going to have to wait on Y and Z because of X, Y, Z. You know, I need to do whatever around the house or even at one point because my brother was was three years younger than me. But at a, as a young kid, that makes a big difference. So a six-year-old not getting something they want versus a nine or 10-year-old, it's a little different. Oh, yeah. So he would Absolutely. even say to me, like, your brother, if you don't get this, he, you know, Christmas is ruined, whereas you have a right. little bit more understanding. So having those real conversations and watching my parents talk about money um, having friends who would let me sit in, because I've always had older friends, let me sit in to their discussions about money with their spouse or significant other made a huge difference in my ability to talk about it now as an Absolutely. adult. And we've got to start doing that. So, but be a I want to, right, right. I want to start, I want to respond to the question because I think to me, I have some pretty set ways that I tell people to get started, right? Right. And Ronaldo went over them um, similarly, but basically to set a goal, right? And I think that this applies to investing, but it's also like a strategic co- coaching point that I give in starting a business or, you know, changing the dynamic in a relationship or whatever it is, start by setting your goals, crystallizing them, making them very clear um, what your goals are. You know, even in budgeting, what is your goal? What is the intent where you want to achieve by doing this? And then secondly, address who you are. So what's your personality? Specifically as it relates to investing, what's your investing personality? How are you going to interact with these goals? How does the success or failure of these things impact you? Are you a a knee-jerk person that's going to rip your money out like me and therefore need somebody (laughs) else to (laughs) do it for you, right? And just considering that impact on your goals and the timing and then create a plan, right? Make a very clear plan. So your goals are just kind of where you want to go, knowing who you are and then choosing how you, knowing who you are, will get to where you want to go. That's the plan. Um, And from there, you know, choosing the assets and investments you want to make. So to me, relating that to my personal life, I think about my asset mix as more than just the stocks and things that I own and real estate I own. I think about who's around me. As an asset, I think about what I know, what I don't know uh, as an investment, you know, so start considering what you know, what you don't know. And that should help you determine, is this plan sound and reasonable? Can it be done? And then last but most certainly not least, track your progress. How are you trending towards this goal? And is it still the goal that you want to achieve? Do you need to adjust? Does it need to change? Because like Ronaldo said, life happens. You cannot outrun life. And so as that happens, track how you're benchmarking against those goals and change them to fit what makes sense for your life today. You know, I love that. So I love that's that. my kind of my feelings on on really getting a tangible way to start. And in terms of kids, I work with banks. I work with advisors like Ronaldo and others who often offer like literacy coaching. There are plenty of guidance, you know, online that you can get from reputable 
banks or investment firms, a lot of which is sometimes free, um, mentoring programs. I mean, we started in my house with Monopoly. That's a really yes, basic man. understanding yeah. of like money, you know, and my parents had checking accounts for us when we were very young. I think I got my first debit card um, when I was eight. And my dad giving us a really tangible example for my parents, you know, back to school was a time to teach us a lesson. So when we got our school list, my dad would give us, let's call it $100 each. You got your list. You know you need paper, pencils, you know, a trapper keeper, because that's the era I'm from, had a trapper keeper. <laughs> right. um, and, you know, you might want a new book bag, whatever it is, right? And he would just say, go. You know, he would drop us off at the mall or, you know, wait outside of Walmart or kind of just hang back and walk with us and let us do what we were going to do. And the first two or three years, my brother bought toys and my dad did not stop him. My dad just said, <laughs> you got to figure this out. On your own, because then you go to KB Toys in the mall and rack up. Not KB and Toys, man. KB, you right, <laughs> took it there, because it's real life. That's what he used to do. He would be at the Chinese, getting some uh, Chinese food and KB Toys. That was my brother for the first <laughs> couple years of this, I'll call it a social experiment. Um, but my dad said to me one day, you know, you're, you're doing decent. Once he saw me doing okay with getting my pencils and pens and, you know, avoiding the traps, he said, why don't we buy you this um, leather book bag? And he said, if you want this, I'll help you invest in this. So you'll take $20 out of your hundred. I'll pay the rest. But then right. next year and the following years, you won't need to buy a new book bag, which is costing you $30, $40, $50 every year. And you can pay me back a dollar or $2 or $5, whatever it was, out of your annual you know, money that I give you. Would you be interested in that? And I didn't even catch the bigger lesson in it all, right? At that point, I was like, first of all, it's the ugly book bag. I don't want this ugly brown leather (laughs) book bag. (laughs) All my friends got cartoons on their book bags. This is lame. But my dad said, well, just just listen to me. Hear it out. Think it through. And come back to me tomorrow. That was his, you know, his, his takeaway for me was just come back tomorrow. Don't decide right now. Think it over and come back to me tomorrow. And I, I got that ugly book bag and I watched how every year I started to have excess money. I started to have money left every year to then go buy the Jordans or the toys or whatever I wanted at a later point. Right. But my brother still just had no pencils. And one year my dad sent him to school with my pencils from the prior year, which were all pink and, you know, very brightly colored. My dad was like, you just got to use the leftovers because you still buying toys, not getting wow. it. So. It's, it's one that's a, a very tangible thing that I think with these school supply lists, give the kids a gift card, you know, Walmart gift card or whatever, and let them go in there and pick that stuff out themselves. Let them pick out their own book bag and let them see like how much that costs and what that means in relationship to the money they no longer have. Like they need to understand it. That was such a good idea. Yeah, I, I mean, it was brilliant for my household. I loved it. And it was a lot of other things that my dad did at that age. Like even when people would give me money uh, for birthdays or whatever, he would put it in the account and he would make me go through the bank statement, which might have one transaction on it a month, right? But go through it and talk about how it was growing. And then when I got to a certain point, taking it out of the checking and, and putting it into like an investment and showing me, okay, well now your money is this much. Um, and back then it was snail mail. So I wasn't logging in. I was waiting at, by the mailbox to get my monthly letter. So I understood how much money I had. And that made me excited. And that's one wow. thing you can definitely do for a kid. Is like I had a dinosaur savings account. When I call Bank of America right now, 
they say, thank you for being at Bank of America customer since 1994. Ma'am, how old are you? They always do this because they're like, <laughs> you, you, they think it's, you know, that it's a mistake or that it's a signing based on one of my parents' dates. Or no, it's me. I've had that same checking account since 1994. <laughs> wow. So uh, I was eight. I mean, and wow. that's just, something you can do to start teaching your kids, um, you know, how to manage money. And lastly, there was a whole Academy of Finance program in my high school that I knew nothing about. I was actually in the drafting and architecture program at my school because I had no clue there was anything about business or finance. And I think just the exposure to what schools have, there are magnet schools, there are after school programs, there are programs that could be offered and sometimes the teacher just has to know that there's a student who wants to take that class. It's there. It's just no other students assigned to it. And you could choose to be literally the only one or two students in the class. High schools do that. They're required to. Wow. So I never knew. I graduated and, and decided later to go major in accounting. But imagine if I had learned some of these things at 13 and not 23. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, we are at the end of the episode. I can't tell you how valuable it's been. I, as you notice, I didn't say much. I literally just listened and learned. Got some confirmation, learned some new information. Hopefully all the listeners got something out of this and are, are really paying attention and intent on changing not just their future, but the trajectory of their family, the legacy that they create and build. Um, Ronaldo, brother, at the end of the show, man, I'd love to just hand the mic over to our guest and have you close us out by telling the listeners whatever it is that's on your heart to tell them. Um, we, we ask that you do share how they can track you, how they can learn more about you, how they can get help from you, if that's applicable. And, and with that, man, I'd, I'd love to hand it over to you. Absolutely, man. Well, I, I definitely appreciate the, the invite and the opportunity to uh, speak here because I just think it's so important to do what Ensa's father obviously you know, uh, understood was he did something right, extremely didn't he? important. Yeah, I mean, it's just... To, to know that there are families in, in our community like that, you know, because most families are very, we don't talk about that kind of thing with the kids, you yep. know. <laughs> so, you know, so, and, and I think it's because of that, that like I was talking about earlier, that needing to hide and act like everything's okay, your kids need to know what's going on, you know. And I think that your your responsibility is to teach them you know, we're supposed to rear the kids. It doesn't say we're supposed to please the kids. We're supposed to rear them, you know, to to grow and become, you know, a, 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 a be, the best them they can be, you know. And I think that showing them that we have weaknesses, them, that we're not perfect and that there are things we're still learning, it frees them to be a person who's okay with understanding that they don't know everything and that they need help and that they, you know, when her dad said, okay, you can do this and I'll put in on it. Well, there, there's so many lessons in that. I think that uh, it's extremely important for us to understand. And I, I hope that as a people, there's one particular thing that I know uh, that can change a lot. And when, I, when I'm talking about that, what I'm talking about is understanding in the financial world who our real friends are. See, if you had a true friend that let you hold $10 like, you know, her father did so that she could get something she wanted but didn't necessarily have the resources for, he let her borrow or he lent her, you know, the money so that she could get something she really wanted, which says that he cares. 
But we have been programmed to when we have a creditor, someone who has lent us something based on our word alone, we have the nerve sometimes, you know, uh, 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 when we're going through a hardship to not pick up the phone when they call, to, not, to try to run and duck and hide from the people who are looking for the car that belongs to them, that you are no longer paying for. That, you know, I could go through all of these uh, different things or get mad when you're getting put out of a place that you're staying in and not paying for. The, the problem is we're looking at those people and those creditors as an enemy because they're inconveniencing us at a, at a point in our life but the, the the reality is we should be looking at them as a friend because if that person gave you something based on your word alone, that's more friendly than some of the things our friends do for us every day. Yeah. So, you know, if we change that mindset and say, you know what? My friend was there to make sure I got the book bag that I wanted. So I need to make sure my friend gets put made whole, you know, from what they gave me because... Maybe I'll need them again later. And, you know, if you never pay dad back, that's one thing, but, you know, because it's, because it's dad. But if you looked at it as, okay, this is an agreement that we made, then, you know, it, it would change the, the, the perspective on how we deal with certain stuff like that. Like, it, it, I mean, having good dad, credit. Clear now, daddy was gonna, you was going to pay daddy back. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. You're not staying here without. Well, that's why you got too. good credit. Right, that's why you got your credit. You learned early. Yeah, and he gonna take his money off top. So as he was handing it to me, kept a twenty. Like "Mm -mm, this one was mine. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, lessons everywhere. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Well, I appreciate again the opportunity to come on here, and I think that you know the the information that was shared, and so the stories that you told, and your expertise, even in this field, you know, is, is much needed. And I think it's our responsibility to share it and. You know, I always believe also that if you only do what you do for money, then you don't really care, you mm-hmm. know. And I, yeah. I think that, you know, uh, so many times if you're surrounded by people like, and I'm going to assume you're the same way because if Ensa knows you and respects you, then I'm assuming <laughs> you're the same. You know, if it's you're family. not, yeah, you're not the the same. Uh, uh, if you don't hang around people of that like mindset, you don't understand the value that, you know, giving brings, you you know, you just the more you it's give, energy. yeah, yeah, it's just a whole different mindset. But, you know, I can be reached my, I, I'll give you guys, um, you know, my, my wife has told me I have to get more, um, you know, more plugged into the social media world because that's where a lot of people live. I can so, tell she's she plugging you in. <laughs> right, you're starting to see posts and stuff like, I oh my it, God. I I've, look right, look, I've had Instagram for I don't know how many years, but I've and probably put posting. one or two posts in a year uh-huh. or so. But, you know, <laughs> but I, I've started to add more and I'm starting to link myself in uh, more on there. So, you know, you can literally find me on Instagram with my name, literally, which is, is Ronaldo right, which is spelled R-A-N-A-U-L-D-O. And my last name is Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. So you can typically find me on any social media site that way, you know, so from Facebook to, you know, to Instagram to, you know, so yeah, I mean, that that's how you're going to be able to find me. I mean, I, I, I have links on there that bring you to my specific websites where you can go and learn information. I believe in sharing everything with everybody because there's more than enough to go around. 
Say that. You know, if mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's way like there's no way you're gonna Y'all ever want to get value. on his email list. Get on his email list somehow, some way. It's some gems in my inbox. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'll give you my email. I'll give you a personal email address as well. So, our personal email is R, as in Ronaldo, M, as in Michael, and then my last name W R I G H T. So R M right. The numbers two three at yahoo.com. So you can use that one and it'll it'll come to me. So um, be more than happy to help you if you just got questions about a decision that you're thinking about making. It doesn't have to be something that I do or something that I get paid for doing. If you got a question, I'm more than happy to help point you in the right direction or even just give you the information. And I always say, if a person sits down with me, hopefully you learn enough that you, even if you don't, do business with me. You might say, well, right now I'm wearing a blue shirt. You might say, well, when I met you, you had on a blue shirt and I don't deal with people who wear blue shirts, whatever it is, you know, whatever the reason may be, I hope that you still learn enough so that you can't be taken advantage of by some slick talking salesman. That's, Mm -hmm. that's always my, you know, and I have nothing, I, I believe salesmen are needed, but what I'm talking about is the one who looks out for themselves at your expense. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that, that's what I'm, I'm on a mission to make sure that we get the right information out there so we can stop making the same old mistakes because nobody told us. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Ronaldo, brother, thank you so much. And so, sister, thank you for being here again and, and riding with us, making this thing as effective as it is. I can't wait till we can release these. And listen, with that, Wild Black, peace. We out. We love you. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.